0: Hi, this is Jim Sheriff, and welcome to Contrary Evidence. This week, we're going to scratch the surface on one of the major political battles of the past decade, our healthcare system. We are going to look at the data and discussion through three lenses. First, we're going to look at coverage. For many, access to healthcare is a right, and as such, they believe that basic healthcare should be available to everyone. Second, we're going to look at cost. The U.S. already spends more per capita on healthcare than any other nation. If we are going to expand coverage, can we reduce our costs? Third, we are going to consider quality. One of the biggest reasons that many oppose any type of government-run healthcare system is that they worry about quality. By quality, I mean timely access to highly competent professionals with appropriate skills, certifications, and tools. 20 large developed countries have 100% coverage for their citizens. When you factor in private insurance, Medicare, Medicaid, and the VA, the U.S. has approximately 91% coverage. Roughly 50% of Americans get their insurance through an employer, 6% buy private policies, and 35% get coverage through government programs. As hospitals cannot deny emergency treatment to the uninsured, there are some costs for emergency services for the uninsured that flow to the other coverage providers. Lastly, in the years prior to the passage of the Affordable Care Act, the percentage of uninsured was approximately 16%. ACA reduced the number of uninsured by approximately $20 or about 43% of the uninsured. The CBO estimates that the annual cost of ACA is approximately $160 billion for an annual cost of approximately $8,000 per newly covered person. This implies that the annual cost for providing coverage to the remaining uninsured would be around $200 billion. On the cost side, the U.S. spends 30% more per capita than Switzerland, which has the second highest per capita expense. The U.S. spends over 100% more than Canada does. The primary reasons for the cost differences fall into four buckets. Administration, drug prices, health professional compensation, and the pay-per-service model. The U.S. spends roughly twice as much on administration as other developed countries. The single biggest administrative cost is billing and insurance-related expenses. Three ideas are commonly proposed to lower administrative costs. The most radical suggestion is to move to a single payer, Medicare for All. Politically, this is a non-starter. A sensible and proven idea is to establish uniform all-payer reimbursement rates in a given geography. These rates would apply to all providers in all payers. Maryland has piloted this model and shown a 9% reduction in administrative costs, which is more than half of the estimated savings from moving to a single-payer system. The third idea for reducing administrative costs is to move to centralized claims processing. Both Japan and Germany have this model with multiple pairs, and Japan has lowered their total administrative cost to a stunningly low 1.6%, which is more than 80% less than the U.S. The U.S. pays approximately two and a half times as much for prescription drugs as other countries. The contrary evidence in this fact is that prices for generic drugs in the U.S. are on average 19% lower than the prices in other countries. The entire disparity in drug prices is with name-brand drugs, which are priced on average 344% higher in the U.S. The pricing problem starts with a law that forbids Medicare from negotiating drug prices for its patients. You combine that with the fragmented nature of the payer networks, and you see how Big Pharma has created a model where they can cover most of their investment in new drugs on the backs of U.S. patients and penetrate other countries with more competitive prices. We need to unleash Medicare to negotiate drug prices and then allow other payers to leverage those new price points. The third major cause of the disparity in healthcare costs across countries is the compensation levels of our healthcare professionals. US doctors make approximately twice as much as doctors in other developed countries. US doctors generally face larger educational expenses and longer paths to achieve certifications than their peers in other countries. When compared to professionals earning MBAs and law degrees, the return on investment for U.S. doctors is actually a little worse than the other two professional paths. Expanding the number of medical schools and rethinking the delivery model to rely less on physicians are two common suggestions. The last major cause of cost disparities is the pay-per-service model. Ten years ago, I had a medical issue, and I was seeking advice from a number of doctors. The first two were surgeons, and they both recommended surgery. The third was an oncologist, and she recommended radiation. Everything worked out fine, but I was struck by the fact that each doctor recommended a treatment path that was advantageous to their practice. Providers are incented to treat you with more services. Now, I doubt that many doctors are going to prescribe medical services that are entirely unnecessary, but the profit motive certainly influences the close calls. Kaiser Permanente has a unique integrated system. The doctors, nurses, hospitals, and administration all are part of one organization. Patients or their employers pay monthly premiums, and there are copays for many services. Physicians are paid salaries and have no incentive to propose more services than are absolutely necessary. All physicians and nurses use the same electronic health record system, so patient records are more accessible and useful. Having an overall goal of improving patient health has allowed Kaiser to achieve better results than the other systems in areas like smoking cessation programs, and patient actions to reduce blood pressure and overall heart disease mortality rates. The trickiest and most politically divisive factor when considering changes to our healthcare system is the impact on quality. When digesting healthcare outcome metrics, it is important to understand that these comparisons are not apples to apples as a measure of the effectiveness of the healthcare system itself. Diet, genetics, Lifestyle choices and culture all have significant impacts on healthcare outcomes. With that important disclaimer, the U.S. is better in some outcomes and worse in others. The U.S. has better outcomes in treating heart attacks, strokes, and cancer than comparable countries. The U.S. manages sepsis better than most countries. The U.S. has worse outcomes for maternity-related deaths, respiratory diseases, and post-operative clots. The U.S. has a lower life expectancy and a higher rate of premature deaths. When measuring the wait time to see a specialist, the U.S. is better than the average of comparable countries but worse than Germany, the Netherlands, and Switzerland. The above numbers are averages across all socioeconomic groups. A well-educated, well-connected, and well-insured American gets much better than average outcomes. The question is, are we willing to deliver worse outcomes for this group in order to achieve better average outcomes for the population at large? That population is well-served by the healthcare system today, and they will have a very tough time accepting inferior care results. There are no simple solutions to our healthcare system issues. The following are some no-brainer ideas to start moving things in the right direction. First, Establish a very basic and very low-cost health care plan that is available to all, a public option. This would not be as comprehensive as Medicare for All, but would provide preventive services and some basic level of coverage with a moderate lifetime cap. We should utilize copays to ensure that patients are judicious in the use of the services. Second, unleash Medicare to negotiate drug prices. Make the negotiated prices transparent and encourage private insurers to aim for comparable prices. The savings just for Medicare and the VA would cover half the cost of the public option plan above. Third, utilize Medicare, the VA, and the public option plans to drive serious efficiency innovation in the health care system drive increased use of telemedicine nurse practitioners and physician assistants to expand and lower the cost for basic healthcare delivery fourth establish a commission to review the current education and internship requirements to earn certifications in the us look for ways to expand the number of new doctors and to lower the entry cost for physicians fifth double down on the Kaiser Permanente model with incentives and tax advantages to expand the use of the integrated healthcare system. That's a start, but there will be much more change required to ensure that the U.S. is a leader on all three fronts, coverage, cost, and quality. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends and family about this series, and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the newest episodes. Have a good week and talk to you soon.